either going to make it or you're going to pull me out in an ambulance. There was no other end to that night. I didn't care. Like, that's what skateboarding is to me. The name Tony Hawk meant way more than just me as a person. And that was strange. Tony Hawk now is a brand. It's worth over a billion dollars. How much money do you have? We like contacted you guys and they're just like, no, we're good. It's because my schedule has been. No, it said on the email, like Danny's not to that point yet. <laughs> no, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> no There's 10 minutes left. Let's see one of those 900s. You want to see me bail? Okay. Got knocked out and broke my pelvis. Dude, this could have all gone so south. You guys have got to cut me some slack. I'm getting this. Like I'm finally figuring it out. What's like the biggest thing you've turned down? I'm shaking. I'll, I'll take it as a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's surreal. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're a legend, obviously. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's wild to see you. But yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> we're still, I mean, Danny and I were talking about before this, like we grew up playing the games and I think you're such a pioneer, Tony. Like, I feel like when you were coming about, there's no buddy in skateboarding who was like as big as you. Like, you know, we talk about LeBron could look at Michael Jordan and Michael could look at Magic, but like in your sport, I feel like you're the first to pioneer it. How did you um, get started? I well, definitely wasn't the first to pioneer it. I think um, there there's a few elements to that. I mean, I, I made a name for myself in the 80s, skating and competing and being on the Bones Brigade. And then as skating kind of took a downturn in popularity, it still was, you know, it was, it was, it was obviously still very relevant to a, a, a big, not a big, but, but a, a, a culture. And as it came back around in the nineties, I was still kind of on top of my game. Mm. So people, I kind of crossed over generations. And I think that that carried a lot of weight or just name recognition. And then, uh, and then my video game got released in 99 and that definitely changed everything for me in terms of in terms of people knowing my name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, there, I, I stand on the shoulders of giants. Like the, there was a whole revolution of skating before I even got into it. it totally. I mean, I, I know Danny, you were like trying to get in on the like skateboarding scene. That was like a big part of your career as well. Getting started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to work with like athletes and I always noticed how skaters, it just seemed like no one helped them. And then I was yeah. like, I was doing like stretching and stuff. And then I was like, I really wanted to try that. So I, that's why I came out here originally. But Every time I would do something, they would always talk about. It. They'd be like, "Yeah, no, Tony Hawk has a guy. He's been he's had a guy for since the '90s or something." A guy? That's what they said. I most definitely did not have yeah, a guy. Everyone would say that though. Everybody, and I was like, "Wow, Damn. yeah, it was weird." Like they would talk about how you had I someone don't know if who it's good would, or bad, but I don't know. Well, I always thought I was like, "Oh, I mean, he takes it like really serious," you know, like with his career and his body. Like I was like, "I got," and obviously, you know, you make more money than I would most. say. Only recently is that true that's wild I, and i'm yeah. not kidding like i went to so many events and like any it was usually like older people i would talk to and they'd always talk about how like yeah he's he's been like you know working out and doing stuff like just to like stay healthy <laughs> they would always say that and i was like man i need to find someone like that to work i didn't with. actually lift any weights until like in the last few months that's crazy my whole life me too um because uh i guess i just never thought i needed it and and i did you know, I, I kept progressing my skating and, and every time I'd go, like I, I knew how to warm up and I knew how to, and then I knew how to sort of make it work in, in any physical condition. And then broke my femur last year and had a rough go of it. I, I didn't actually, my, my bone did not heal for eight months. And then I finally had to have it reset again. Um, but going through that and then trying to get back to the level of skating that I was, that I wanted to, I needed help. Mm -hmm. And that's when I leaned into 
uh, strength and training and stretching and physical therapy. And I never did any of that before at all. So I had a good run, like yeah. 40 years of not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if we could rewind, just like to talk about the start of that 40 years, because, you know, Danny and I were researching and looking up. Did you start making it really big as a teenager? Like I was reading, like as like a 16 year old, you were starting to make six figures, like really starting to make a name for you. Yeah. Take us through those early days that you're I like. Mean, I'd say really big is a relative term. But, yeah. Um, but at least like you can make a career out of it, like in those early days. Did it yeah. hit you then? Yeah, I, I, there was a there was a window. Yeah, I would say so. I I started skating when I was ten, nineteen seventy eight, and I when I really started getting into it, it took a turn of from popularity, and then it kind of went, it kind of went underground. Like there was there were a few skate parks, but there were there were hundreds of skate parks mm -hmm. when I first started, and when I really got into it and I started getting good, they all closed. Why? Uh, insurance and and interest level like. Skating just was a fad hmm. and it, it kind of fell out of style. Um, but that's, I was only 11 or 12, so I didn't really care what was the trend. I just right. loved skating. Um, and so when it started to sort of come back into the limelight, I would say it, Back to the Future was like the first big boost in the mid 80s. Oh, really? Because yeah, of the wow. flying skateboard, the hoverboard. Yeah, you feel well, like that because, no, because Marty McFly actually invents the skate the skateboard, the modern. Oh, skateboard. right, 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 right. He pulls the the scooter box off. Yeah, and then there was some modern skating in that, and that inspired a generation of kids to start skating. Like truly, oh, wow. I hear that a lot. Um, oh, when he takes it was like the Mattel skateboard, yeah. and he takes the handle off, right. and it turns into the hoverboard. No, it's it, it, when he before the hoverboard thing. <laughs> It's okay. Before yeah, the hoverboard yeah, yeah. thing, <laughs> their kids are skating and, they, and they, they're skating they on, like on makeshift. Skating on makeshift scooters where they have a box, a crate on on a skateboard that has metal wheels. Marty McFly comes up and he's like, "Give me that!" He pulls the handle and the crate off of it and he uses it like a skateboard. Yeah. So that was sort of a that was one of the beginnings. And when that happened, I was. I was skating really well. I was doing well in competition. And then all of a sudden, I mean, there were a few other elements too, but all of a sudden skateboarding was kind of back in the, back in the fray and, and people were appreciating what we did. And, and to skateboarding's credit, it had gone through a whole revolution of, of like aerial moves and McTwists and things like that. And all that stuff was happening underground. Now it was front and center mm. and I was riding that wave. So let's put it this way. When I first turned pro, I was 14 First place for a skate competition was a hundred dollars, hmm. 75 for second, uh, 50 for third. Um, my first royalty check was $4 and 85 cents. Not bad for skateboards with my name on it. Right. And then when I'm, when I was 17 and I was about to graduate high school, I was making six figures and I owned a house, uh, before I graduated high school. Wow. That's, That's how quickly it happened. Wow. And then it happened just as quickly on the downturn after that. What was that like going from making six that figures? Was, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that was hard. Yeah, like early 90s, it was just, there was nothing. You work with that guy, is his name Paul? Paul Schmidt. Paul Schmidt, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's been around since yeah, then. Yeah, I met him when I used to do the stretching stuff. His, his whole operation was crazy where he'd like bring people in and try, I was like, man, that's sick. Paul used to, he used to host uh, vert half pipe events in the early 80s, mm -hmm. like in Florida. Yeah. That's yeah. why I met him in Florida. Yeah. He reminded me of like, kind of like what you do with your video game, probably with all the, you know, you put all the balls on yourself. Yeah. How many times have you done that? 
Uh, I've done that three times. Oh, really? Yeah. What's that? What's that experience like? Um, <laughs> the first time it was not great because uh, because they put me in this skin tight suit. They put all these balls on me and they're like, all right, do your hardest tricks. <laughs> Not like we need the foundational basics. It's like 900. Do a 900. Yeah, for real. It was like that. What year was this, Tony, for context? Um, 99. 99. Like, yeah. Well, so, our, our, the game was released in June 99. So it was probably like the end of 98, but early 99. Um, and then those were the early days of mocap. My board shot out. So they had like, I don't know, 30 cameras all around this ramp that I was skating. My board shot out, hit one camera. And because that moved it a little bit, it took three hours to reset. Oh, oh. my God. Yeah. And then when, I mean, this, this is all full disclosure of our video game series, but um, when they finally got all the data that they were going to put into the game, they had already animated a lot of the tricks just from video. Mm. And the video looked better. Hmm than the what they got from the mocap so they didn't use any of the mocaps that we did yeah wow but they, but it made for good like promotions of the game yeah you know with me with all the stuff on yeah when i was a kid tricks. i thought that was the coolest thing i was like man i would love to do that one day yeah so that's the dirty secret is that we didn't even use it damn <laughs> what a scam anything <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt i'm killing myself out there with ping pong balls all over me what, was there a moment that you're like, uh, like when, when did Tony Hawk become more of a like brand? Like when did you start thinking about like the, the initial conversations for the game, like starting Birdhouse? Was it during that bankruptcy or that moment where you're um, like, well, I started, I started Birdhouse in 92. Yeah. And that was more because I thought my career as a skater was coming to an end. Really? Because, it, you know, I was a vert skater. Skating was dying in terms of popularity or, or at least for a career. And so I wanted to still be in skating. So I started a skate company thinking I would be behind the scenes and mm -hmm. I would help to curate a team and, and an artistic direction. And, and little did I know that a few years later, I would still be skating just as much mm -hmm. and kind of back in the limelight. And then I just kept, I became more of a team rider than a company owner in those years. Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, once, once our video game was released, the name Tony Hawk meant way more than just me as a person. Mm. And that was strange. That's crazy. Because people would say Tony Hawk as if they're talking about either a game or an entity or a character. And it was like, I'm, I'm right here. It's me. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but, but with that came other opportunity. Big time. I mean, I, I look at Dan, I think it's fascinating, like YouTube and, and what you've done, like Danny starting Virginia Rocks, like starting merch to kind of like last beyond like the YouTube game. Um, you with your video game, like Birdhouse. Like, did you approach Activision? Did they approach you? Like, I mean, we grew up playing that game. What were the initial conversations um, of trying to turn like Pro Skater into a real thing? I was working with a uh, PC, pro, PC programmer um, and he wanted to do a game for PCs probably, or maybe PlayStation. And he had a really crude engine of this skater that would like go in and out of pools and, and it was like keyboard controlled. It was, it was something, I mean, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't the best, but it was at least something. And, and we went and pitched it to a bunch of different studios and console <coughs> manufacturers and no one was having it. Hmm. I always wondered that. Like, I always wondered if it could have been someone else like Danny Way's pro skater. Or like, um, Cause I heard like, um, 
like George Foreman Grills was like could have been Hulk Hogan. Oh, or whatever. Huh. Yeah, I can't. Well, and so I was wondering like who who lost out on all that money. I don't think <laughs> Activision was. I don't know to answer that. Hmm. Um, but when they called me, we had given up on this PC game because the guy was just discouraged and yeah. he, he needed to have a career. So he mm. moved on. But because we had um, planted that seed at all these places, Activision, when they were doing a game, they said, oh, we heard Tony Hawk is trying to work on a game. We should call him. That's pretty much That's how I know it. When I went there, as soon as I picked it up, I was like, this is it. Wow. This is this is kind of what I always hoped a video game could be that has skateboarding. Um, and then I realized with my, with my influence and my resources, we can make it really legitimate and mm. authentic. And so I signed on right away. Wow. Neversoft, who was the developer, they would, yeah. um, they would, this is back in the days of CDs, yeah. like CDs for PlayStations. So they would burn me a CD. I had a modified PlayStation and they would FedEx it to me <laughs> and then I'd play it, make all my comments. And then the next week they would send me an updated one with all my comments um, addressed. Wow. It was pretty amazing. That, I mean, the way that it worked, just in terms of how how archaic the technology was back then. Yeah. Um, but we we made it work, and then uh, and then once we brought on the other skaters, they had their own input as mm. to tricks and and other ideas, and and it was a group effort. But but we had we didn't have high hopes. I think that's the the thing that people don't realize is when we were doing it, it, it really was the small project, mm. and Activision was stoked to do it, but they didn't think it was going to go gangbusters. Um, and Neversoft was a new studio. And so it was all just kind of like, go ahead, whatever you guys. So we had, we had a lot of, uh, we had a, we had a lot of leeway in terms of what they were allowing us to do, like the music, yeah. um, you know, and some of the challenges and some, you know, some stuff was a little edgy for the time. And um, so we were stoked that they gave us that, that freedom. And then when the game was nearing release, they sent out uh, copies to to the publications. Mm -hmm. And as the reviews started coming in, they were like, holy shit, we have something here. Oh um, shit, we paid Tony too much money. No, that's, I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> no, was, yeah, yeah, they, I, I want to negotiate yeah. this. <laughs> they called me when, uh, when all that was happening yeah. and it was about to be released and they said, hey, we're gonna, we'll offer you a buyout of future royalties. Like if you want to cash in right now. Was that the $500,000 yeah. buyout? So yeah. how, how did you navigate that? Like, cause that, that, that was a shit ton of money. Like, <laughs> yeah, still is. Are you yeah. Me? <laughs> yeah. But compared to the, is Tony Hawk now as a brand we were reading up, it's worth over a billion dollars as a franchise. I'm, I mean, IP. that's, I don't know how, how to much money gauge you that, but <laughs> like, Danny wants to see a Wells Fargo cat. Hold the bank. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say if you feel like a bite, yeah. It was way more. There's, there's, a lot of, wrong, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of misconception with all that, but um, I'm not complaining. I, yeah. I live an amazing life and I take, I get to, you know, take care of my family and travel the world. So all good. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not chasing some giant golden carrot. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but how do you say, no when they, you know, honestly, like when, when someone says, yeah, we'll give you half a million dollars, like no one's ever said those words in the same room as me. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like that sounds like someone saying a billion gazillion dollars. Um, but I had, I was actually doing pretty well with other things and X games were kind of popping. And mm -hmm. um, I was doing, I don't know. I just like, I, I felt pretty stable in my finance finances for the first time in a long time. And so I just said, I'm going to let it ride. Hmm. And that was, 
that was crazy. Like it was crazy to think that I'd turn that down. Yeah. Um, but I could tell that they were already considering a sequel. And so it felt like a pretty safe bet. Are you, uh, are they going to make any more? Oh, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, they did one and two that did pretty well. They did the remaster underground. Um, yeah. And then the studio kind of got disbanded. So, Hey, I'm, I, I'm never saying never. Well, was there ever a note, Tony, that you gave the studio that they didn't agree with? Or something you wanted in the game that we didn't see? Only in the first game, because I wanted to, to uh, get a loop in there. And they said, we just don't have the technology to make that work with the gravity and how it works. And then PlayStation 2 came out. Gravity. We did THPS 2 and mm-hmm. there was a loop. <laughs> and that was it. I was watching that the other day. Like, I think it was you and Bam Margera and someone doing it. And like there was like, doing it with bicycles and shit too. Oh like yeah, that was on Jackass, down. yeah. Yeah, I was watching that the other night. That shit's crazy. I want to try that, but I think I'd probably fuck my neck up, so. Um, Looks pretty hard. I can tell you that it's it's the easiest and absolutely most dangerous <laughs> thing. Yeah. You think, it'd be, you think it'd be easier on like a dirt bike? I, I can't answer like, that. I, all I, I can like tell you, you is that kept it's, it on, kept it's, the throttle it's on. just a carve. Huh. And if you can hold your legs in a constant carve, and wait for the flat bottom to come around, that's all it takes. But so many things can go wrong Yeah. right at the beginning that are tragic. You've seen people get really fucked up. Yeah. In fact, the last time I put it up, I was like, that's the last time I'm putting it up. I'll just watch them. Cause I saw, I saw, I saw some of the, I saw some of the world's best, most experienced ramp skaters get destroyed. And really? I was like, if those guys are getting hurt, yeah, it's yeah. over. That makes sense. Yeah. That being said, I do have a loop in storage. So if you want to make an offer, hit me up. Yeah. It would be cool to have that. <laughs> it's a, it is a marvel of technology. It goes up real quick. You should give that. We saw that you have your first skateboard in the Smithsonian. Yeah. yeah. You should give them the loop too. Hmm. <laughs> if they have room for it. What was that like? That's pretty cool. That was very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was my brother gave it to me. As a, it was a hand-me-down. Yeah. It was my first skateboard. Oh. You it was a hand me down to you or you gave it to your brother? No, to me. He it was he taught me how to skate. That's sick. And then uh somehow, I mean, I've had so many, so many rare skateboards, some of my first skateboards just get stolen or lost. And I don't know how I was able to hang on to that one. Yeah. Um, but it made it through. And then um I got the call. And so I had to call my brother to get his permission. Um, so he and I both flew to DC and and donated it. Yeah, wow. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Enjoy fantasy sports? Visit Prize Picks, a unique daily fantasy app where you pick individual players based on set projections. Rather than choosing teams, you decide if a player will exceed or fall short of their projection. If you're knowledgeable about sports, give the Prize Picks app a try. It's accessible in 70% of the United States, including California, Florida, and Texas, and Arizona. First time users can benefit from 100% deposit bonus by using the code DANNY. Enter the code DEPOSIT100 and they'll match it with an additional 100 by using the code DANNY. What, what, when you look back at your impact on the game, Tony, what, what do you see as like the biggest uh, a legacy you hope to leave with skateboarding as a sport? Oh, that's tough. Um, I mean, selfishly, I just want people to recognize me as a good skater, but uh, <laughs> check on, yeah. on the bigger scale, I, I, maybe just someone that that advocated for it so that it was, I don't know how to explain it. So, so that it was, 
something that kids could choose to do and were and were supported in doing so. I mm-hmm. think that you know that if anything that I could have given to the skate world, I hope that's part of it. Yeah, is that when I chose to skate as a kid, that was the furthest thing from cool. No one, n- no one encouraged it. There was no support for it. In fact, you were made fun of. I got bullied for skating in school. Like I, I had to hide my skateboard in the bushes at high school. <laughs> wow. I was a pro. <laughs> I was a pro skater. I would hide my skateboard in the bushes before class and then go find it because, wow. I, car- because I learned my lesson. If there's, I carried it. There's Tony, get him. <laughs> I did. If I carried it through school, I would get hassled. No way. Wow. Cause I feel like now it's skateboarding is so cool that people will wear skateboarding and, and oh, like, like, of like course, the, the yeah. culture I mean, and the Thrasher's clothing. Like yeah. a, Thrasher is a huge Tony walks. <laughs> so, but I mean, that's what, that's what it was like. Yeah. And that's what, and so now, yeah, if I have anything to do with the fact that, that it's cool to skate, that it's, 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 and it's as easily uh, available and chosen as any sport. Yeah. Um, and you know, I guess if, if I had any legacy, it would be it would be providing skate parks. What did an average day look like in like of Tony Hawk? Are you doing more of the thing, which is like practicing skateboarding, or are you doing more on the business side, trying to get the brand, the video game, like all the stuff? Um, you're becoming like an international. That's all name. day by day, but I, I'd say that. Uh, well, I still try to walk the walk. I, I still skate as much as possible, so that's usually what I'm trying to focus on, even though I, it's hard for me to find windows of time. Like literally it, it's hard to, to schedule skating. Yeah. Um, but other than that, well, like today we recorded two episodes of our podcast, Hawk versus Wolf here in LA. Um, I went to the doctor to get my last checkup on my femur that I broke last year. So he said, you have graduated. That was his exact quote. <laughs> um, which means that my bone is finally healed itself. And then I went to Supreme, uh, cause they have a bowl there and I skated the bowl for about 20 minutes. And I came here. That was my day today. Uh, yesterday was, um, uh, working out, taking my daughter to school, working out, going to my ramp shooting. I'm working on a, my last video part ever right now. Mm. So I went to the ramp, skated for like two hours, uh, got, got the goods, got the clips. And then, uh, picked my daughter up from school drove her to theater practice, which is very far away. (laughs) And uh, then came back, got her at night. That was it, that was my day. So that's a day at home. Yeah. Um, If I'm traveling, it's all over the place. Yeah. So still skating and and part of the day-to-day as you go. I like to think so, but it doesn't always work out. Like today, there's no skating. Well, I went to the Supreme, but... um, you know, I'm not on the ramp, I'm not trying tricks and whatever, but, but I mean, really, I went through the rough recovery on my femur. And so I'm taking every opportunity right now to go skate Mm. because it it, it was taken away from me for so long. Um, and I cherish it more than ever. What was the, how did the femur injury happen? Skating. (laughs) But like, what was specific? Uh, I was doing a McTwist and I, didn't have enough speed for it. And that's never been a problem in my younger days. Mm. But apparently it's a problem when you're in your 50s and you don't have enough speed for McTwist and you try to make it anyway. So my legs kind of got tangled. Mm. And then uh, I remember feeling it just disconnect as I was sliding. I was still sliding across the flat bottom. <laughs> and I was like, I broke my leg. 
And I remember looking at my friend, he's like, what? And, he, and I grabbed it because it was over here and I grabbed it and put it back uh, in place. Oh my God. And, you, and he's like, oh yeah, <laughs> he broke it. What did you just lay there until the ambulance comes or how did, yeah. how did it work? That's how it works. I broke my leg at the skate park when I was like a kid and I remember I just laid there and I was like, oh, it fucking hurts so bad. I broke my tibia. Like, Tib yeah. So it was um, disgusting. I, yeah. I like felt, I remember, and I had to just sit there and like just. You have to disassociate too. It was You're so, kinda, yes. Annoying. I think if I hadn't, moved it i would have been more in shock to see it because there the bone was actually sticking out oh um, really oh but because i moved it that kind of you know made it not so visually scary yeah um but i remember <laughs> my friend i found like a comfortable position that i could just sort of <laughs> lean on and have my my <laughs> one leg resting on the other to wait for the ambulance and my friend my friend brought me to advil <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck so i was like that's all i had so I when, they, it, when you but, moved it back was the, the bone wasn't sticking out at all uh, no out? once i moved it but but what happened was i i when i finally pulled my shorts up i saw the hole where the bone had come out oh that's fucking and gross. that's where the blood was coming out so anyway i let's just say that i didn't wait long enough for the bone to heal and i got right back on my skateboard and i made it shift out of place so it never actually connected. So for the first eight months, I had two bones. Whoa. And I was just in denial. Like I was still skating and I was in pain all the time. And I just thought, well, that's what happens. You break your femur and you're just always in pain and sucks and you can't lean forward. And then I got finally got x-rays and they're like, no, this is still broken. Oh. Um, and so I went and saw a specialist here and a uh, specialist that, that, does non-union it's called a non-union fracture and so he put it in place put a new rod in there and he's just like don't do anything for two months that's wild wow. do you um as you get older is it when you wake up in the morning and just get out of bed do you does it hurt really bad i not not as much as you think yeah my I feel, neck i feel it already my neck sucks my neck is super really? stiff all the time yeah it's from like hitting and stuff hitting yeah whiplash you know when you got that ko yeah, that hurt for a few honestly for yeah, a couple that, of years that those kind of falls yeah. just for decades that's what i and i i obviously like i've watched jackass and bam and deer deck and everything growing up and i always just try to do like i guess like the pussier version of them and just try to stay healthy and like not get hurt and the biggest thing i do is like try not to hit my head like when i hit my head down that that one day skating it's like dude it's my neck worst. was yeah. so and tight I mean, it, for like two years you it know, was crazy that's that's crucial to everything yeah so that, you gotta save your head that's what i try to tell everyone too like because they think i'm like an idiot kind of but i just like think if you don't hit your head as much it's like that's the most important thing absolutely yeah i mean my, my my helmet saved my life yeah, at, yeah for sure and so um yeah i would prefer not to get any more concussions yeah. but i mean i'm not even talking about concussions i'm talking about like just shooting out on the flat and getting that sort of yeah. whiplash thing we call it chicken neck yeah you get a chicken neck and then that just happens over and over and over again. And after a while, I'm like, you know, if someone calls my name over here, I'm like, huh, what? <laughs> yeah. Have you, do you do anything like regularly to try to like help? With um, neck? I, I, I do acupuncture and I, yeah, I get, th there is someone that works on it, but he's kind of told me like, You're, this is the best. It's not going to, this yeah, is yeah. like, we can maintain it here, but yeah. I don't think it's going to get better. Yeah. Do you think acupuncture helps? Um, I think it helps overall just in terms of resetting. And, and Riley, I remember back in the day he was skating with Baker. Is he still skating now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I have six kids total uh, and they all skate. 
Who is your first, Riley? Riley, yeah. He's the oldest. He's 30. What was that like when uh, getting him into skateboarding when he first started? Um, I, I didn't really get him. He was just surrounded by it. Yeah. And honestly, it was more like I, I couldn't afford childcare so much. And so if I was going on tour, he just came. Yeah. Um, and so he just picked it up because it was just like just everywhere. Hmm. Um, he loves it. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like he was, he, you know, he, he was forced into it at all, but, um, but he loves it. And, and I think around age 10 or 11 is when I recognized that, oh, he's really got the, he's got the skills and he's got the drive. Hmm. Cause it's one thing to have the skills, but not the motivation. And he was always trying to get better and learn new techniques. And then at some point we were on tour. I'll never forget. Um, Let's see, that was probably like 96-ish. Wait, sorry, my ears are off. So he's about 10 years old. I took him on this UK tour that we did for Audio Shoes. And uh, I remember the team manager for Audio, who was a pro skater himself, mm. he was watching us all skate and he's like, that's it, Riley's better than me. <laughs> like it's, it finally has happened. And then I was watching him, I was like, yeah, he is like right in the pocket with everyone. And he's the little kid. Yeah. Um, and then at some point he started asking me how to do tricks that I didn't know how to do. That's funny. You know what I mean? I was like, he's like, dad, how do you do a kickflip frontside tail slide? I was like, I'm honored you asked me that, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, seems, it seems like it runs in the family. Cause when you started getting big in skateboarding Tony, your dad also got more involved. Right. And he was very instrumental in making the X games what it is today. Uh, is that right? yeah, well, not the X games. He, he passed away, but, um, he was, he was just really supportive of his kids. Yeah. So my, my older brother was a surfer. He would drive him, you know, at, at sunrise to go surf. And my, one of my sisters is a, is a musician. He would like, he would carry all the band gear and mm. help set up. And so when I was born and he saw that I loved skating, he saw that there was no organization Yeah. and there were no events and there was no, and there, there was this group of kids that were super passionate about it. And so he uh, helped to organize events back then, um, the National Skateboard Association, um, which kind of set the standard for competition. So mm -hmm. in a way, yeah, he influenced X Games, but um, he actually, he, uh, he passed away in 95. He got to see the first X Games wow. on TV. And for my dad, who was a massive sports fan, to see skateboarding on ESPN was, well, that was the biggest thing ever. Hmm. Like for is in his eyes, he, skateboarding's finally made it. It's on ESPN. Hmm. I mean, he would flip out if he knew it was in the Olympics. But yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you do you wish in a way um, the Olympics was like back then, so you could have competed in that? Hmm. No, I don't have those. That's good. Regrets. I asked like, Paul Rodriguez that the other day. He was like, "No, not really." I was like, "I feel like I would be like, damn, that would have been cool." Yeah, I, I guess it, because skateboarding was so renegade, yeah, and it was sort of the antithesis to Olympics when yeah, I was a kid. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That it wasn't. We weren't. We weren't down. You, you know what I mean? We weren't with, like now. I understand and and how if you're a kid starting to skate now that that's an option mm -hmm. to represent your country and that's huge. But but in our day it was like nah, we don't care about the mainstream sports. Yeah. And when X Games started hitting. That was the Olympics. Yeah. As far as we were concerned. Exactly. Like that was that was the biggest venue. That was the biggest audience. Um, and then there were all, also core skate events that meant a lot, obviously. But um, yeah, I don't I don't really have any sort of wistful regret in that sense. Um I love seeing it now. I love how 
I love how it's received. Mm. You know what I mean? Skateboarding is still renegade and irreverent. And yes, they have to conform to certain rules to be on the Olympics. But at the same time, I feel like that attitude still shines through. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. It's like, you're talking about Kieran. Still running, it's like, you know, test. Kieran ran into the, 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 uh, the cameraman yeah. at the Olympics. When does that ever happen? Yeah. And just got up and continue his run. Cause it's skateboarding. <laughs> you know what I mean? What was that process like getting, cause you were also instrumental in getting skateboarding to the Olympics. What was that um, like? like how, how do you get a sport to the Olympics? Yeah, that already part that, of it? Well, that, that was, uh, a lot of meetings <laughs> and it was more just trying to convince this sort of archaic uh, sports organization that look, what, what skateboarding is, mm. is just as much of a sport that you define as a sport yeah. as anything else that you're presenting out there. You don't have a cool factor in summer. Mm. Like you got the cool factor in the winter Olympics. Yeah. And so there were all these rules that you had to, you had to follow. There were all, there's so much protocol that in terms of what it takes to be recognized, you have to have a, a governing body, a national or international governing body. You have to have enough countries that have national governing organizations. Mm -hmm. There's a whole thing, like yeah. it's really complicated. So the skateboard community got proactive in, in getting all the, you know, checking all those boxes. Mm. And then when it came around to Tokyo, they said, oh, Tokyo, D Japan can add one event themselves um, without having to remove an event. Hmm. And they chose skateboarding. Wow. Um, so that's when it all happened. After that, they were, they were trying to get me to go to all these meetings and be sort of, for the most part, a poster boy for, mm -hmm. and that's when I was like, you guys, I did like, I did my job. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I, I, I always thought skateboarding could be an Olympic sport. I thought it would be a, a great thing in terms of international recognition and growth for skateboarding. Mm. And it's there. My job is done. Mm. Like I don't want to be part of the machine anymore because mm. it's complicated and it's, it's messy. Um, so I kind of quietly removed myself from all that. And now I just watched like a fan. Yeah. I mean, it's so cool. You could like dip your toe in so many different areas, like the Olympics, uh, you know, the, the video game, like your own brand, like it's just, and then remove yourself and do something else. Um, more impact. Yeah. I mean, I just, I do what I can yeah. to, to promote, uh, skateboarding in general or to be, I don't know, you know, I guess some people have appointed me as some sort of ambassador to skating. I'm happy to represent skateboarding, but if you're looking at me as an individual, I don't represent skateboarding. I'm a, 55 year old vert dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was say not virgin. <laughs> I thought you were like a 55 year old virgin. I was like, what? <laughs> I, I think a lot of people just because, I have six kids. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, that taken care of. I think so many people just like are intro to you through like they learn about skateboarding. And I'm happy, and I'm happy to be through, the gateway. Yeah, like yeah, I'm, yeah, that's yeah. what that, I mean. I'm happy to advocate is. for all styles of skating. I appreciate the skating is still renegade and that people hop fences to go skate schoolyards and mm. stuff like that. You know what I mean? That that all is part of genuine skateboarding and core skateboarding. So I'm not just trying to promote it as some sort of uh, safe packaging. Right. That's like, well, it's now the Olympics and now it's, mm -hmm. you know, there is support and there is training facilities. Like, yeah, sure, all that exists, but also it, it gets dirty over here too. Yeah. And I love all of it. Mm. We saw, I was doing a bunch of research and we saw that, 
I don't know what to believe on the internet, you know, because so much is fake, but that you you use the name Tony Hawk as a stage name and that your real name is Mike. <laughs> is that is there any truth to that? <laughs> there is not, but, uh, but that is a running joke in our family. I bet. <laughs> My brother, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My brother's name is Steve. And unfortunately, people have actually asked him if his name was Mike. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Tony, I was I was reading up like you have so many like things associated with your brand. Like you have the um, you know, you have like the the hawk clothing, hawk eyewear, like you have a signature toy series. I'm wondering what is there like anything that people have approached you with to put your name on that has like really caught your eye or you didn't think would work, but ultimately did? Um and how do you think about it? Well, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't to... sign on to anything unless yeah. I believed that it would work. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wouldn't just add, throw my name on there. Like, yeah. I don't know. Why not? Um, so I don't know if that's a good answer for you. Or how do you um, test it out? Because I mean, that's a, there's so many things that had the Tony Hawk branding on it. Like, uh -huh. how do you think about like, you know, because your brand has endured so many years. Like, how did you I think, think about more what to lend your name to versus it, not? Uh, if, if I feel like it connects to skateboarding hmm. or it's something that I genuinely believe in. Hmm. that's that's pretty much it and and it's a it's it's a gut instinct you know it's more like does does this fit or would i really be using this i'll give you an example hmm. um uh i i did a thing for for qnol for supplements hmm. and they approached me and said uh you know we're we're doing a campaign for some of these supplements i'm you know i'm 55 so yeah. uh I, and i take their coq10 supplement i really do yeah. and they're turmeric gummies like i use them and i and i sent them a photo of me with the bottles like mm. i'm all right way ahead of you like <laughs> i buy these yeah and so i got their campaign mm. and it's legit yeah you well, know i mean that's just that's one example yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but it's, it's all real what's like the biggest um thing you've turned down yeah uh geez that's tricky I don't want to get into it, but you know, let's say, <laughs> let's say that uh, there have been countries that wanted me to sort of be on their tourism program, uh, I and I wasn't down. Some oil money, so like a hundred million, you think? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, you wait, where'd you hear a hundred million? Less? Where's, where's that? <laughs> no. What's the? Um, I seen somewhere it was like when you're out in public and people, you know, recognize you but don't recognize you, but oh, they know the day. name. Yeah. I mean, now it. It gets because repetitive I, and Well, annoying. it's because I shared a lot of those stories online and now people play into the joke. So So they do know usually now? It it goes both ways. And I can tell when it's they're joking or when it's serious. I see. Uh like I my my wife and I went somewhere the other day. We pulled up and there was a woman sitting on a bench, right? We pulled up and as soon as I got out of the car, she's like, Anyone ever tell you <laughs> you look like Tony Hawk? And I could just tell she's joking. And I was like, Yep, but you're the first today. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but it's more like, I think what happened was somewhere down the line, I got old, obviously, and people, they, they stuck me in this sort of bubble of the 90s mm. or the early 2000s when they know my face or my name or my video game and didn't imagine that I could have gotten older in the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, and so they see me and they're like, yeah, that's that face looks like him, but there's no way. Or, or my my legal name is Anthony, not Mike. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> you I've never gone that. by Anthony, but when they see my ID, especially at the airport, yeah. they're like Anthony Hawk. Oh, like that Tony Hawk guy. I'm like, yep. 
<laughs> and that's how it started actually i was at the airport and the, the woman checked my id and she's like anthony hawk like is like like tony hawk i said exactly she's like i wonder what I he's up to these days i love that guy <laughs> no she said i wonder what he's up to these days and i go unironically i said this yeah and she's like didn't make the connection and <laughs> i have people call to me sometimes they're like you has anyone ever said you look like that Danny Duncan guy? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I think it's the hair. That's what I say. Or the, in oh, the beginning, yeah. it was like Sean White because my hair used to be longer. Yeah. They'd always say I look like Sean White and stuff. I was like, but we- It drives we, my daughter crazy because people will say, does anyone ever tell you you look like Tony Hawk? I said, yes. And they're like, oh, okay. And then she's like, why do you tell them? Yeah, right. They didn't ask. Probably a repetitive thing. I think sometimes- Well, they, they never actually think it could be me, so they don't ask. That's funny. And, and I feel pretentious, just like, well, actually. Yeah. I know, that's why. I, that's me. Yeah. When you were like coming up and everything, was there people you were fans of that then you eventually got to meet? You know what I mean? Like maybe yeah. movie stars or whatever, sure. athletes. What was that like? Like, like who was like the people, like the highest up um, for you back then? Oh man, that's tricky. Uh, like, I guess when you're like, holy shit. Like, like when I met Bam Margera, I was like, I don't really like, you know, get like that. But right. like, when I met Bam, Bam Margera, I was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, it was just weird as hell to look at him, you know? Yeah. Um, I've definitely had that more like musicians that I, yeah. that I really enjoyed and, and that sort of defined eras in my life. And, and I was able to meet them and hang out with them. Cause it's pretty cool. Cause I, I would assume they're probably like, Oh shit, Tony Hawk at the same time in a way. Um, right. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, they're usually, they're usually pretty cordial and friendly and, and also, I don't like to pull the celebrity card that much, but if it's like a concert or something, I'm definitely yeah. honing in like, hey, yeah. get backstage passes. Once I something. get that card, I'm doing it all the time. What's that? Once I get that card, I'm gonna do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> One day, man. I, I think it'll work for you <laughs> yeah. in a lot of situations that maybe you, you like if there's a band that you want to see or something, I'm sure they know of you that you could probably do it. Dude, I feel like right. we get zero support until I started playing pickleball. That's when I started like meeting people. <laughs> so random huh. yeah I, I feel like my youtube is very like um like underground in a way like where i feel like the clothing though is like more mainstream than mm -hmm. me which but it does have my name on it which is good but yeah me as a person i feel like it's very like just like you know we we like contacted you guys you know like your team and they're just like no we're good and then i was like i had I had to hit up a limb you know and i was like yo is there any way you could uh if, they're only if, they're you know but I mean? the, the only reason they said that is because my schedule in the last two months has been no, it said on the email, like, Danny's not to that point yet. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no Imagine. Not from, my, not from my office. That didn't happen. I'll take things that didn't happen yeah. for 100. No, that did not happen. No, and they just don't, they don't want to, they don't want to overwhelm me with. Yeah, I get, I get that. I get my, that. Like, even today was just like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, you know, like crazy. That. Um, but I'm glad that, you know, you, you went through a side door. Yeah limb right here and and that the we made it happen yeah. so um it's cool and and limb is my tiktok uh whisperer so tony it's been two decades of like you mentioned like staying relevant how do you think about social media today we were watching this video of a kid who wanted to ship you a board oh yeah the fedex guy just put yeah. out but tiktok yeah and then within a day you responded like how do you find those moments and how do you think about oh well in a moment relevant? like that i'm just getting tagged endlessly yeah and and people are sending me that from all all different sources so that one was pretty easy to find mm -hmm. um i just started doing it because i enjoyed it i mean i was on twitter a long time ago like right i don't know the early days of it 
And I started using it just for fun and hiding skateboards and, and doing just kind of more interactive stuff. Mm. And then when Instagram came, Instagram came along, I was able to use that for the same sort of stuff. And, and so of all along, I've just been doing it for fun. Mm. And then at some point it became, there was opportunity with it. Um, so I embrace that, but I always still try to keep it. So it's just, it's just enjoyable for mm. people. And, and I think that was probably my, my best, um, approach because a lot of people immediately get on it and they want to be influencers and they want to make money from it. And it's just like, well, if you're not producing something that's enjoyable, there's no point. Yeah. Um, and it also became an outlet for like old school stuff. Mm which has really been fun, for, yeah. you know, suddenly I'll, I'll, someone will tag me in something or someone will be like, Hey man, I got a video of you guys skating in 85 at this thing. And it's like, send it over. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> um, and then put it out and it's just like, it gets a new life. Yeah. Um, and I've done a bunch of that stuff and that, that always kind of blows up. Is there a clip that you watch of your younger self that you can't believe, or you give yourself different advice if you're in that moment to handle it? No, cause it all brought me here. Mm. You know, I, I definitely there's stuff that can make you cringe, obviously, from those days. Like what? I mean, what was the I lived through the 80s. So yeah, yeah. I mean, just outfit choices for one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and yeah, you know, my style, like I, I went through uh, some I, I, I went through some transitional phases of, of my style in terms of like it was too, I don't know how to explain it. Like I was all about tricks. Yeah. yeah. And then at some point. I tried to really focus in on giving them more style. Mm. And so when I look back, there's certain eras of my skating that I look more robotic, mm. um, but it got me here. So it's yeah. more like, yeah, what would I say? I would say like, don't, don't be so wildly focused on tricks because you, you're losing your sense of flow. Yeah. Did, did you tell me, I was reading up, you invented a bunch of tricks. Uh, it looks like uh, the Madonna, the the kickflip McTwist. Like, are, are, like how do you, did, did you invent those tricks? And yeah. how did you go about like inventing a trick in a sport that's just- I was just combining stuff. Mm -hmm. So those are the early days though. I mean, the, like those tricks, like the Madonna was, was invented in 85. Mm -hmm. And it was more that we were experimenting on doing one-footed tricks, so taking your foot off in the, in the middle of the air. Mm. And then I was doing tricks where I would land on the tail and then I just was like, take my foot off and then land on the tail. Mm. And at the time, no one had done it. And I was talking to my friend and I said, how come, I like, I'm, I'm trying to learn all these tricks and I'm trying to be creative, but no one wants to do any of these tricks that I'm making up. And mm. they're not all impossibly hard. And he said, well, you just got to name it something trendy. Mm -hmm. And so it was 1985. The trendiest thing was Madonna. That's it's hilarious. like, you know, it's like saying wow. Taylor Swift now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just said, okay, that's the Madonna. And then here we are talking about 40 years later. So I guess it worked. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's funny. It's funny because I would never know that. Yeah. I'm like I know that like obviously in the game, you know, and stuff like that, like the tricks, but it's, it's wild. I, I was in the same room as Madonna a few months ago. Yeah, did she ever, yeah, what did she and say And I, I didn't get a chance to to talk to her because she was surrounded by bodyguards and all these people were trying to get photos. That's and absurd. Yeah. I just wanted to swoop in and be like, hey, name a trick after you. Yeah, everyone needs to tag her. Every tag her, <laughs> yeah. then she'll see it. Everyone go tag her. Yeah, right. What well, the one thing I loved as a kid too, this is super random, but uh that that bit in Jackass, the sweaty fat fucks, when you guys had oh, those. Oh man, big, I almost got destroyed. Yeah, what was it like yeah. skating and like like it was hard. What, what were you guys? Well, like, we were truly sweaty. Yeah, what would you have on? Like we had bubble wrap. Oh, that's what it was? Bubble wrap and then and then they taped the bubble wrap to us 
And then at some point I was so stiff that I said, you guys have got to cut me some slack. Like you got to either take some off or cut some, uh, you know, cut some slices in so I can move my limbs because this is dangerous. Like I can't even bend my legs. That's wild. And so they, they took out a little bit so I could function, but it was hard. I remember I would rewatch that all the time. Yeah. But then, and then there's something too, where it's like, I don't know. Someone falls in the board, comes shooting. Oh, that was, was that, that was you? Bam. Yeah. No, it was or that's Bam. bam. Who, yeah. Is that your board? I think it was his because we did a trick. There's like a, is it like Coke cans or popcorn? Like, what was that? I don't know if you remember. Yeah. I think we, like, we did it. We did a trick and then he fell at the end and his board shot out and came back at him because yeah. it was on a half pipe. Yeah. Yeah. And it came back under his chest, but like right here. Yeah. Was and if he didn't have that suspender thing. Yeah. If he didn't have the, the, um, bubble wrap on, he would have got rocked. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember. You were like, I mean, there's so many close calls with Jackass. Like it is amazing that they got away with all that for so long. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I lived through a couple of them, like where it was just like, dude, this could have all gone so south. <laughs> well, it did go south for me once. And I did the loop and got knocked out and broke my pelvis. So it, it did happen. <laughs> the damn loop, man. Yeah, I'm telling you. It's the Smithsonian. <laughs> Send it. What about the 900, Tony? Like how, I feel like we, we can't not ask about that. Like that was such an iconic moment. Like how did you prepare and, and like think about like just going about um, that? And, and for context, like people don't know or maybe aren't aware, like can you just paint the picture of like how monumental of a moment that was landing that trip? Um, well, yeah, it was a big deal for me. I think it was more that... So I learned 720s in 1985. And then of course the, the natural progression of that would be what's the next spin is mm -hmm. 900. And so I didn't really have the, the guts to try that until a few years later. So I think it was maybe 80, 1988 was the first time I ever tried it or 87. And because it's a whole different thing to, to, when you do a 720, you're really only blind to your landing zone once. Mm. When you do a 900, you're blind to your landing zone twice. Mm. And that's, that is a, a huge uh, shift. That's a, that's a huge milestone to, to try to figure out. So first time I tried it, I was totally blind, kind of landed on my back and said, uh, maybe I'll try that some other time mm. down the line. Um, I eventually started actively trying it in the mid nineties. Uh, but credit goes to Danny way. He was the first one to truly spin a 900 and figure out how to get his body back on the wall. Hmm. And that was in a video, uh, in 1989, they showed him like getting really close and then they faded out after he fell, but that showed it was possible. Hmm. And that was truly the, the turning point for that trick. And in, in terms of, in terms of the skate industry where it's like, Oh, it, maybe it can be done. Hmm. And so I started trying it pretty actively in the mid nineties. There were a few other skaters that were trying it. Um, and I got super close in 96. Um, I actually put it down on the wall and rode down to the flat and then, uh, fell into the flat bottom and hmm. broke my rib. And that was kind of it for me. I was like, I gave it my all hmm. and I, you know, I fucked around and found out. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I just kind of, I would try it once in a while after that, but I could never really commit to it. Cause I was just like, I last time I committed to it, I got broke off. Mm -hmm. And then, um, when the X games came around with 99, 
they had a best trick and there were best trick events through the, through those years, mm. uh, where it was a sideshow. Like a best trick event was like, we'd have the ver contest. Everyone would be kind of winding down. The crowd would be leaving and they're like, all right, best trick. And mm. cause it's just a bail fest. Mm. And so it was never really a big deal. And, and a lot of people, they like to paint this false narrative that like everything was leading up to this 99 X games and that everyone's gunning for this. It's like, it's not like that. Huh. The, the best trick event was an experiment by ESPN that was like, maybe we'll try it because it seems like people have fun with it at these other events. And, and I had skated all the other best trick events. I usually did other tricks. In fact, I had done a Varial 720 in a best trick event prior to that. Mm. So for me, that was my best trick. Mm. So leading up to the X Games, I, uh, that, was, that was what I had in mind. And... And there's, like I said, there's all these <laughs> false narratives, but the, the way that they picked the, the way that they picked the, um, the people to compete was based on your results at best trick events. Hmm. So if anyone had placed at a best trick event, they got an invite. Hmm. So anyone that was trying and bailing at best trick events or trying 900s didn't qualify because hmm. they didn't land anything. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's how that all came to be. But I had no plans to try a 900. Uh, I did a Varial 720 early on in the event. And I was like, I don't know where to go from here. There's 10 minutes left. Mm. And the announcer on site, Dave Duncan, called me out and was like, let's see one of those 900s. That's like, crazy. Dude, let's, what do you? <laughs> oh, wow. See, you want to see me bail? Okay. So I dropped in and bailed a couple. But... As I started, you know, I was bailing them more for the crowd. It was just kind of like, here, here's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. And then somewhere around my third or fourth attempt, I realized like, oh, my, my spin is consistent hmm. and my speed is consistent. And this ramp is faster than anything I've ever tried it on. And if I'm going to try to land it again, I guess it'll be here. Wow. So then I tried to put a few down on the wall um, and they were kind of, I wasn't really committed to it, but I was getting closer. And then at some point I was like, all right, I'm, I'm fully committed to this and I'm either going to make it or you're going to pull me out in ambulance. Like there was no, there was no other end to that night for me. Like it was, I wasn't going to quit cause I was tired. Yeah. Let's put it that way. And at some point the, the countdown was over, like the, the, the time was up for us being able to skate anymore or for us, for us to, the, the, the competition time was up. So whatever I was doing just was for my own sake. I didn't care. Like that's what skateboarding is to me. Yeah, yeah. It's for me, I'm doing it cause I, for what it provides to me. So I wasn't thinking that I was still in the event or we, I was going to win. I was like, I finally, I'm getting this, like I'm finally figuring it out. And so I finally committed to one fully committed to it. And I fell forward like I did when I got hurt, but I didn't get hurt. Hmm. And then I thought, okay, how do I shift my weight more to the backseat as I'm landing? And I, and I did that mid spin. So the next one I tried, I shifted my weight to my back and I fell backwards. Hmm. And that was the, that was the moment. Huh. Cause it was like, all right, I've fallen forward. I've fallen backwards, split the difference. Wow. And then I made the next one. Wow. And that's how it worked. I mean that, that, and, I didn't think that we were still on air. I didn't think that it counted for the event. I just wanted to do it. It had been so long. I mean, it had been like, at that point, 
11 years of attempts. That's wild. Wow. Um, so that's why it meant so much to me. And I think that on the broader scale, people who saw that, they saw they saw skateboarding sort of encapsulated. Yeah. Because that's what skateboarding is. Skateboarding is just setting your own challenge, trying it for, for uncomfortably long until you finally get it. Yeah. And there's no accolades for that, hmm. but it's what it brings you is what is important. And I think they saw that on display with what I was doing and, and any skater that saw it was like, yeah, that's what I go through learning fucking kickflips. Like, you know what I mean? It's not, it, we all have that same shared experience, but to an outsider, they saw something different because you don't see that in other sports. Yeah. You don't see that, that sort of repetition and obsession on display. I mean, people have it, no question, but, but there's no way to really show that. Um, so it, you know, there, it, it changed for me. It was, it was the best out to competing. Hmm. It was like, I was considering not competing anymore that year. And it was like, that was the highest note I could have ended on. So, but it was, like I said, it was in, in the moment it was spontaneous. I had no intention of doing that, um, you know, contrary to, to conspiracy theories. I, I had no, there was no way I could have planned that. Yeah. Um, and then I had to call Neversoft the next morning and say, you guys, I made a 900. We should probably put it in the game. And they're like, <laughs> we're in our, like, we're in the final beta version here. <laughs> like, but we're, but, but I do remember the, the owner, um, Joel of Neversoft, he's like, way ahead of you because wow. <laughs> they watched it happen wow They're like so we're gonna we're gonna figure it out that's, that's crazy dude that's wild because it, so many times you hear about that story and it's like it, it it was all building to that but the fact it was a public trial and error and that you decided because danny's long lost uncle decided to challenge you on the announcer uh like i used way to talk there. to him too <laughs> double d same last name yeah i used to talk to him on facebook like, oh yeah like when i used to do the stretching dave's stuff. the voice of skateboarding yeah. man he's yeah. been around forever he's been around since he's great i started that's why I didn't even know that. Yet. And he's still Wild. doing it. Like yeah. he's still go to an event. You'll still hear his voice. <laughs> wow. He's a legend. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because he reminded me of that recently where he did an interview about it. And, he, and I was like, oh yeah, it was Dave. That's so funny. That like put me on the spot. That's amazing. And I'm so thankful he did. <laughs> yeah. I never knew that story. That's amazing. You probably would have never done it if you wouldn't have said anything on the. I, I probably would have tried. <laughs> I, got, I, I didn't know where to go. Like I had no, I, I had, I had one trick that was my sort of safety trick mm -hmm. for the best trick. Uh, it was a Cavalarial 360 varial. So like my board does a 720 and I do a 360 and I made that like second try. Mm -hmm. And then the varial 720, which is the board does a 900 and I do a 720 was like, okay, I've only made that once in my life. Maybe I can make it in 20 minutes. And then I made that like the next two tries later. Mm -hmm. And so by then I had 10 minutes left and I had nowhere to go. What do you think the most will be like in the next like 50 years? Well, I mean, Mitchie did a 1260. So how many more do you think we got? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is there a trick that somebody's trying that is like, that's the 2520. <laughs> uh, well, so Guy Curry um, from Brazil, yeah. he spun the first 1080 on a regular vert ramp. He has been trying kickflip 900s. <laughs> that's crazy. I, I predict he'll do it. Wow. He'll figure it out. Yeah. Hey, Tony, that was incredible. Yeah.
Yeah, thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming. This is, uh, it's been wild to hear it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm the horse. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, though, thank you so much. Hey, it's my pleasure.